This podcast proudly brought to you by Moss Shot Shells. Old school is back in season. Experience superior shells when you go with Boss Shot Shells. Their premium, non-toxic bismuth shells knock birds down so hard that the old guys might just think they're shooting lead again. Make sure you check out Boss Shot Shells for your next purchase of shotgun shells. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On this week's episode, Elliot and I go over our guide for duck hunters going into the postseason. A lot of things, a lot of stuff that needs done to kind of get you prepared, get you ready to go into the postseason. And maybe not the best time of the year, or maybe if you hit it hard, you're ready for a break. Anyways, before we jump into it, a quick word from our partners, and we'll get right into it. Hi, this is Killian Bailey from Bailey's Game Calls. I'm here to tell you about our duck, goose, and wood duck calls. We use 3D printing technology to revolutionize the industry. This new technology allows us to create calls with the same sound as wood, acrylic, or anything in between that's at a fraction of the price. Make sure to check out baileysgamecalls.com for your next game call. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. Let's talk about how comfortable your blind is. If it's like mine, comfort is not the word that comes to mind. And if you've ever spent hours in it waiting for birds to come in while lying in wet, cold, muddy, frozen ground, you know the feeling. That's what got us to thinking there must be a better way. The Layout Lounge fits in any layout blind. Warm, comfortable, and durable. So unhook that cheap pad from inside your layout blind and put in our Layout Lounge today. You'll be glad you did. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and htrinnovations.com. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, Elliot, from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited about hanging out and talking a little postseason waterfowl hunting. Yeah, um, me too. I'm not seeing the room on, on the live stream on your channel. You sure well, it's public? Let me uh, double check. Yeah, it's, it's running. Are you checking the Duck Gun Podcast YouTube? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. You may be right. It may not be public. <laughs> That helps. <laughs> yeah. mm, how do I change it once we're live? Well, it ain't hurt nothing if we're private nope. right now. Nope. Here we go. It's public. Done. Save. You want to check again? I'm figuring I'll get a... Uh notification i normally do but yeah there's the notification there yep there it is sweet well i'm gonna redo the intro you guys are gonna see a little whoever's watching the playback you guys will see a little bit of behind the scenes but we'll jump right back into it so <laughs> what's going on folks i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles got my co-host alongside me gray beard elliot from freelance duck Honey. how you doing tonight elliot 
I'm doing good. The take two, and we're ready to roll, ready to talk some postseason waterfowl. And I'm even more excited now because just while we were hanging out and waiting to talk, I get a call from my district that school's canceled tomorrow because of the rain, the ice, I should say. And uh, talk to Corn. I think we're going to go and goose hunt Corn's Pond tomorrow afternoon. So things dramatically improved over the last five minutes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that's a yeah big change from working to no school and hunting. That's a that's a good upgrade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I should probably tell the wife. I don't know if I should break the news to her now on air or wait. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be cool with it. She doesn't want me sitting around all day bugging her anyway. <laughs> uh, there you go. So the topic for tonight, um, maybe not everybody's favorite topic, but it's something we have to do. We have to talk about the season ending, you know, nobody's favorite time of the year. I mean, unless, unless you're going crazy and hunting, maybe you're ready for a break. Um, I'm a little bit ready for a break after smashing it. I, I went out back and threw our stats and counted, uh, how many days I've been hunting. And it's almost, it's, it's almost embarrassing how many times I've gone. <laughs> how many? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you got to guess. Well, I'm, I, I don't think you broke 60. I'm thinking upper 50s. No, it wasn't quite that many. No, no I meant like, uh, I'd have to go look back to be exact. I'm 46 or 47 right now. Okay. I thought you said you were in the 50s or you thought maybe you were going to be. I thought I was going to be, yeah. So I, I think I'm at 47 and yeah, I won't, I won't break 50. <laughs> Did you shave your beard? Um, I didn't shave it. I trimmed it. Oh, you took a lot <laughs> off it. I did take a lot off of it. <laughs> oh, man. Mine's longer than yours is now. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> take that. Yeah, the guys at the at, at work were giving me a hard time saying I was like my younger brother or something came in. and. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, with this gray I've got on mine, I look so much younger without a beard. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't have any plans to take it off. I'm liking it. Nice. You growing so. it out uh, full Dr. Duck style? I doubt it. I honestly, I don't really care for the looks of those beards that get that long. Um, yeah. Gosh, you do look younger. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Come on, it's not that bad. You, you look, you look really thin and trim. Uh, well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly, I don't ever think. I don't think those super long beards are that attractive looking. Quite honestly, so. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I'm not attracted to Doctor Duck. I can officially say. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cool guy. I just don't have any attraction. <laughs> no, uh, but I'll let it go until I don't like it anymore. As long as I like it, I'll let it go as as long as I actually like it, and then I'll trim it off from there. I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's a good. I was ready for mine to get trimmed. Usually, I wait to the end of the season, but um, I went I went a few days early. So what was bo- what was bugging you about it? Nothing really. I just I don't know. I just usually do it at the end of the season and had time to do it on last weekend and just went for it. Was your wife getting tired of it? I mean, she's on it. She's not the biggest fan of like a long beard or anything like that, but mm. I, I don't, uh, I hadn't heard any complaints. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that my wife Beth is still liking mine. I'm getting good comments on it. And uh, so I think she's still supporting me. There you go. Yeah. She just likes it to be trim on the sides and, kind of shaped a little bit so so she's happy <laughs> you just don't want to look like a garden gnome or anything like that yeah 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 <laughs> so i think uh we derailed on that a little bit our intro but 
our topic for today is <laughs> something that we all need to discuss, you know, something we have to talk about. Postseason, what things do we have to do? What things should we do kind of to wrap the season up? Um, we're definitely, for me personally, not motivated uh, necessarily to do all these, but I know that it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I, I My big thing is at the end of the season, I don't want – my I've got two duck rooms, so I've got one that's just like half of the garage I, I've taken over, and then the other is just like um, just concrete room that's kind of tucked down in the in the basement. And I don't want either of those look like a duck bomb went off in it, which happens sometimes during the season when things get frantic. It's just like there's crap everywhere, and my essential stuff I keep well organized. But my non-essential stuff, like my sleeping bags and stuff I'm using early season, especially to camp and all that kind of stuff, it just gets, it's not organized at all. Yeah. So I just like to have the area somewhat organized a little bit, to, at least to start. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I'm going to be one of my projects this year. Um, me being a somewhat newer waterfowler, um, I've accumulated a lot of gear kind of over the years getting so hardcore into it. It's just something you do. And, uh, you know, kind of like you said, part of your garage, uh, pretty much just my whole garage, but I need to make it where it's half my garage. So my wife can still park in the garage. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the plan. Like uh, I've kind of started already, uh, having, you know, screws and the studs in the garage to hang decoys on and that kind of stuff, but making it, you know, I add some shelves, all that kind of stuff to organize everything. That way, when I come back from hunts, it doesn't look like the duck bomb because that's currently what it looks like. It's just mm-hmm. everywhere, just stuff everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, it'd be a, a way easier to get to my stuff or find it or if it was organized to start with. So do you have a system when you get back from a hunt as far as like, wh- what does it look like when you just get back from a hunt and you come home and what, what are the first things you do? Uh, first things I do. So I have two, uh, peat foot dryers. I got one that's like the regular size for boots. And then I got one that's the waiter size. So I don't know about you, but I'm always getting sweat and moisture and maybe even getting water over the top of it, um, on my waiter. So, excuse me. Um, so have to hit up the peat foot dryers and put the waders on there. And my gloves are always soaked. So I get kind of a rotation of my gloves going through there and, um, on the boot one. So I get, the gloves and the waders drying first thing um taking my blind bag i got a table downstairs i take my blind bag downstairs take my uh, all my cameras downstairs and take my gun downstairs wipe my gun off usually i'm using either my a5 uh wicked wings or the um a5 i got from my grandpa and if it's the one from my grandpa i, I wipe that down right away because it literally takes like hours to get rust built up on that i have to wipe yeah. it down right away um so yeah, definitely get that wiped down, get the cameras recharged, <laughs> clear off the memory, and then make sure I got the right stuff in my blind bag as far as ammo. Because usually I'm turning around hunts pretty fast a lot of times. Do you take everything out of your blind bag or you just kind of remember what's in there? Um, I mean, I'll take out like trash. Usually I have granola bars or something like that in there. So I take out the trash, take out the empty shell boxes, you know, switch out the shell boxes if I'm going, you know, from ducks to geese or, you know, if it's early season, you're switching from going like teal and wood duck to big duck or something like that. Um, but generally I keep the same stuff in there, you know, headlamp calls, um, um, choke tubes, but not a lot else, honestly, you know, and I'll have my dog collar 
e-call or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. ammo. And then camera stuff, obviously. Batteries, cameras, but that's it. So I've tried really hard over the last two years, especially this year, that I've got these these black kind of crates on these shelves, and each of them have a particular type of item that's supposed to go in there. So hats, hats in one place, gloves in another, um, any kind of tools in one. And so when I get home from a hunt, I really try to put everything in its proper location um, right away to make sure that that for the next time I know where it is. Because in the past, I've always like searched, where's this, where's that? There's just so many little gear items that it's just crazy. Yeah. So I, I try when I get back really hard to organize everything. I've got, I just have a big bin where my clothes all goes into. Um, and then anything that's wet just goes on the concrete floor and I either put it in the dryer or, or whatever. Um, but this, this time of the year with the off season, like that area and it's not right. I don't know when I will do it. Cause right now I, I really don't want to mess with much of anything. Um, uh, but I want to get everything completely organized in its place. Cause if you don't put, get your crap organized at the end of the off season, you're, you're going to lose a lot of stuff and be searching for it when it's time to gear back up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah that's kind of along the lines of what we're saying. Um, get it organized now. So then when you get into season, it's just way simpler system to go back to and transition from day to day. I don't know how many of our listeners are kind of like what the average is for people in general to hunt. Um, but how often do you do back to back hunting? Um, I'd say probably, hmm, that's, that's, uh, man, that's a tough one. I'm not sure. I would say six or seven or eight times in the season. I'll do back to back. Hmm. So I had, I had a couple times where it was four or five days in a row this season. That gets really tough. Cause if you're not yeah. organized, man. Yeah. I've never, I'm, the only time I ever do three days in a row is when we go on our, we go on like one hunt trip in a year. And uh, I'll do three in a row on that. But even like during the only chances I really have to do that are a um, Thanksgiving break or Christmas break. And with the family and everything, I don't want to do three days in a row. So I, I even on those breaks, I try to space it out. So it's like a hunt day, a couple days with the family, a hunt day, you know, and I ended up over Christmas break, I think hunting five out of my 14 days, six out of my 14 days, something like that. But it's just spaced out unless it gets hot. If it, you know, there's times in which I know two years ago that we were really getting at them and we hunted like four days out of seven or something. Mm. Yeah. Just, just cause it was so good at that yeah. time. You know, like taking a day off school and you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. normally we don't do three days in a row. So when I get back from hunt, I will unpack everything out of my backpack and put it where it goes because if i if i if i'm going six days on my hunt again i don't i want to be able to before i go on the trip i want to be able to repack it so i know that it's there mm-hmm. not yeah. just assume. yeah so the first kind of topic we're going to cover i guess well that was the first topic second second topic we'll kind of cover is kind of talking about gear and clothing um postseason you know big thing for me is waiters um if you hunt a lot or if you're rough on your waders, which I'm, I'm probably both, uh, you know, got to check those for holes, see if, if there's any repairs you can make, um, or see if it's time to replace them. Cause you know, prime time postseason, 
And this kind of goes for all the topics we're going to talk about, whether you're looking for new gear, new clothing, new guns, new decoys, um, you know, anything you're going to do, everything kind of goes on sale postseason and you can get some good deals. So with the waiters, you know, no, no exception there, you know, see if you need to replace them, check out, you know, anything you have to do, replacing leaks, all that kind of stuff, or, or not replacing, repairing leaks. Um, and then if you need to, you know, check, check for sales coming in the first couple months after season, um, and try to get a good deal on your next pair of waders. Yeah, I am absolutely death on waders. I mean, I get about 12 hunts. So, you know, when, when you're up here last time I was wearing my dad's waders, I wore my dad's waders, uh, I'd say three to five hunts. Um, since mine, the tide, we just completely, I have so many holes in those and I couldn't repair them. And then I went to wearing my pair from last year, which I knew had holes in them. And I tried to repair those and those didn't go well. So then I brought them for my dad's within four hunts. Now his, his waders are leaking. I don't know what I do to him. You probably burnt a hole in them. No, I didn't. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is about why I can't. I mean, my dad's had those waiters for like two or three years, I think. And I get them like four months later, I got a hole in it. I, I don't know. I don't huh. know. But so every single year I have to buy um, a new pair of waiters. And I had been with um, going with Rogers and they, they were puncturing so, um, so quickly that I was getting, you know, a new pair from them quite a bit until I burnt that pair. So I don't know. I want to go. I want to go. That's, that's the one item off season I always have to worry about is waiters. Um, I don't, I don't typically buy a bunch of gear as a bunch of clothing, except I hit the thrift shop, thrift stores three, four times off season and just look for like, I found some really good stuff last year. I found a over jacket that I wore probably five times, a couple layers. I found some stuff for the kids. So I hit thrift stores. Um, but I, I don't hardly ever put my money into like new hunting clothing, um, just because I'm able to find stuff and piece it together and then I can use my money elsewhere. But the thrift stores, I may, I really have found so many good things at thrift stores over the years. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. I see another thing we got there, pri- prioritizing what you need. And that's kind of helps you along that line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you can get it at a cheaper, uh, you know, shot at a thrift store, honestly, in my area, I, I, I got to figure in your area that you can find a lot of camo and, and that kind of like warm weather mm-hmm. gear and thrift stores. Yeah. But my mm-hmm. area, I mean, it's, we're not really highly populated with hunters. So, um, I think thrift stores and maybe your area or maybe like some place like Tennessee where mm-hmm. hunting is kind of a big deal would be a lot easier to find, but I've, I don't think I've ever really seen camo and thrift stores around here. <laughs> Well, it just depends on like, I don't find a lot of it, but I'll, I'll find some and I'll find some, I really love wearing vest hunting for my underlayers so that I don't have my shoulders are a little bit broad and they can get really tight um, when it gets cold. So it might just be like, I've got a blue vest and a black vest that are pretty tight fitting. Um, Found those at garage sales and thrift stores. Um, But it's, it's rare to find good camo. But, and it depends on how, like some guys really want to wear the top of the line stuff. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would like to, it's just that stuff's so expensive compared to everything else. There's so much to buy. Did you know if, that they, ducks can't see Optifade though? Are you joking? Yeah, it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were joking. I was like, <laughs> that, that's that trendy new uh, little honeycomb looking 
that's yeah, type, that's, right? yeah okay. that was just a poke at Sitka gear i mean i'm a big yeah. fan of Sitka gear as well like i yeah. think they make great stuff but it's no no secret that uh Sitka is pricey for sure and qual- super high quality uh, and and fantastic but you know i i go out the day we went out hunting um in that snowstorm over that ice hole um that's like out of out of my 29 hunts i went on this year i was only actually cold once or twice and that was with you with it. And it wasn't like I was so cold that it ruined it at all. It's just, you have a little bit of a burr that's cold. So, I mean, you really don't need that super high quality gear to stay warm and dry. You just, you don't, I mean, I hunted in the rain this year. I hunted in the snow I hunted, I hunted twice in the rain, sleet, snow, and never was I just dripping wet. Um, so I, I would advise people not to buy that super high end gear unless you have a bunch of money. If you're on a budget and you have to just prioritize, here's what I need the most. I certainly wouldn't spend it on Sitka and stuff like that. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I would probably a little bit, but yeah. I if, think I the had, one, if I had a lot more money, I would. I think the one benefit to that is that you can be less bulky with the same kind of warmth. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have to layer necessarily as much or you have thinner layers that are more thermal. That would be the only thing I would kind of say to that, I guess. Well, that would be great because that the video that I put out where we all went on that snow hunt, my wife and I were laughing so hard because I had so much on and I put on that <laughs> white hoodie. I looked so fat. Did you notice? Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not fat. I've, when I've met you in person and you have that many layers on, you're walking out, walking around with your waders and your white hoodie like the yeah. Michelin man. <laughs> oh my gosh, I almost hated to have that on video. We were just laughing. I was like, oh my lord, look. Plus, then I always have my camera underneath my uh, mm-hmm. layers too that sticks out the gut even more because yeah. it's like hanging around my stomach it's like i look like literally about 290 <laughs> 300 pounds <laughs> do you I, another thing i do is i kind of like you said with the camera shoved in there i just end up shoving random things in my waiter throughout the hunt and i have like yeah. a couple pairs of gloves in there and <laughs> all yeah. kinds of stuff yeah, I've lost stuff like that until like the next season. You're like, there it is. It's down the bottom of my boot. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thing is I've got an inner pocket on several of my vests that's right over my heart. And um, I'll try to slip my phone or something down in there and miss because I've got so many layers and, like miss the pocket thinking mm. it's going in the pocket and it's not. And then it's like you've got my phone in between some layer somewhere <laughs> in, in my puffiness. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. You feel it right around your knee and your waders or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I liked about Tidewee waders is they had a they had a nice little pocket that was small, just phone size, um, that zipped up right mm-hmm. inside the waiter, which I really liked that. That was nice. Yeah. So the last thing I'll just say about gear, whether it's anything, you know, um, that you don't want to get from thrift stores, you want to get new, any type of gear, I would say check for those sales come postseason. First couple of months, everything's going on sale clearance yeah. clearing it out so next kind of topic we got there unless you wanted to say something else before we moved on nope okay next next topic we got we got is uh what we need to do for our guns um what once season comes to an end yeah how many times does see during the season do you break your gun all the way apart and clean it depends how bad it's jamming i guess <laughs> yeah so every time it jam you feel like it misfunctions at all or misfires at all or whatever that's when you do it Yep. If not, I, yeah. I don't take it apart. Okay. So I'm cu- my wicked wings I've had to take apart uh, two or three times this year, and my old A5 I haven't took apart 
and you know completely apart i haven't taken it apart this year do you take it apart off season i will yeah i won't break it out like all the way down to the trigger um taking out the trigger and all that kind of stuff because the old a5 is the way they work you have to have like a special screw set and all that kind of stuff and it's Uh, a million pieces so um and if you want to have it done professionally you're talking like uh, it's a big chunk of change too i'm not sure the exact price because i've never done it but uh um, i talked to my grandfather-in-law who was a gunsmith and (laughs) he warned me about taking apart myself (laughs) oh man he could he do it for you he could yeah but he just lives uh you know nine hours away oh okay yeah i probably take my um a300 apart five six times a year maybe i'd say um if if it's does like you if it does any kind of the problems i've had with that gun are i've had some misfires where it just clicks and then i've had some just where the second shot doesn't fully kick the shell in so whenever it does that i break it all the way apart either of those things which early season i was doing it um like every hunt because and then and then it started functioning so much better if it's functioning perfect i don't i don't do it um, just like you, but then off season, I always do it at least once, but those, those a three hundreds, those Bredas are really pretty simple to get in and out and, and it makes it really nice. But certainly at the end of the year, I want to take it all the way apart, totally clean the insides, um, get it ready to go. Yeah. And the next thing I'd kind of say is, um, I'm sure anybody who's waterfowled for any amount of time and especially people who change out their chokes. Or I'd say people who don't change them out very often definitely have had this happen at some point where you go to take out your choke, you're twisting with all your might and it won't budge. So off season is always great. Take out your chokes, especially, you know, when we're talking about breaking down your gun, cleaning your barrel, um, doing the whole nine yards, make sure you take out your choke. Sometimes that gets kind of left out of the, um, the kind of whole part of cleaning your gun but you got threads there and and that can seize up so just make sure you take that out there and clean up the threads clean up your your chokes and then before you put it in kind of a good tip on this is make sure you just put a little dab of oil on it and spread it all around the threads and then screw it back in um you don't want to leave it without the the th- the um choke too because you don't want to leave those threads kind of bare to get damaged yep um, did you use the mod- modified improved the whole season and never change? No, um, I did. I used the modified to start with, and then I switched to modified improved on my 12 gauge and I stuck with that. Um, but on my 20 gauge, I used modified. Yeah. Uh, just, just all sense. season. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I've just done really well with that gun on modified. So there's no reason to switch it even on geese. I mean, I'll use modified on, on geese with uh, yeah. the 20 gauge and, you know, it smacks them down. That gun is a freaking champion. <laughs> I'm both part of its mental, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I mean, that gun, I don't know. I, I it, Maybe it is part mental and maybe I'm just better at aiming that gun than any other gun. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, I can't believe how well I do with geese on that gun as well. Just kind of historically. Well, if you get geese in close, they're um, they're pretty easy to kill. If you're going to be shooting at them from forty to fifty, they can eat some shot and 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 not go down. But you you get them in close, and they die pretty pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a story for our hunt update. I guess it'll be the podcast before this one, so you guys already know about it. 
but you haven't heard it yet, Elliot. So <laughs> Okay. Well, I will hear it when we record it in just a little bit, won't I? Yep. Yep. Um, so la- last season I was using the last two seasons, I was using improved for teal. But then this year it improved for fours. This year we switched to sixes and used modified. And man, I, I, I shot better at teal this year. Some of which we just had really easy shots, but I shot way better percentage wise on teal this year than I ever have. So I think I'm just going to start going to modified all year round. Just leave it in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it just depends on confidence and all that kind of stuff. I don't really mm-hmm. see anything wrong with improved modified. Um, but yeah, if you're hitting them well, then <laughs> modified's the way yeah. to go. I think it's mm-hmm. all just about patterning. Um, and my gun, like that 20 gauge patterns so well with fours, uh, and the modified, it's just like, I mean, I'll shoot geese with fours out of that. I mean, that, it's a little light, but it just patterns so well. And until I find another shell with, you know, number twos, maybe for geese that pattern better then I mean, I, I don't have any problem shooting fours at geese. Yeah. I actually would have kept sixes into bigger ducks, but I ran out of them. Um, cause just like you're saying with your fours are the sixes, the federal sixes, when I patterned them, I'm with a modified, I'd, and they just patterned so much better than the twos. I mean, it was crazy how much better they patterned. Because we bought sixes and twos as well. A case of sixes, case of twos. Yeah. And I'd really, like, I'd really like to have an expert on at some point in the podcast talking about chokes and, and shot sizes and why things pattern better. And Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it does make a big difference to have your pattern. But I'd kind of the thing I'd tell people to be wary about is if you're going to shoot, you know, long shots, and some people just do that whether it's ethical or not is another subject, but there's no way you can shoot like number fours at geese at a long distance because they're just not, they're not going to hold their um, kind of, they're not going to have very much power once they get to the goose at a distance. When you're talking about something with low density, like fast still yeah. by the time it gets out there. So that, that's what I'd energy. say to be, to be wary of if you're taking a long yeah. shot and you got number fours in there and you got number sixes for ducks, even, you know, that's just something to be kind of aware. Yeah, absolutely. They lose their energy and you just end up sending them away with steel in them. Uh, next, we got decoys. You want to go ahead and start on this one? Sure. So um, I would say with decoys, you want to inevitably at the end of the season, I've got some decoys that have fallen, either have holes in them because corn shot them or they've got weights that have fallen off. So I've already done this actually right now. I sort them into um, get all the ones that are taking water out, get all the ones that need to be repaired and just get them in an area where when you're ready to repair them, um, they're ready to go and you know which ones need to be worked on. Yeah. Have you ever thought about filling any with foam? I know some people do that and that's kind of a general thing for uh, a lot of times to do that for... um, diver hunting because you shoot your decoys a lot when you diver hunt hmm. no i've never thought about that so i don't know if, if you ever get decoys to the point where they got um so many holes you know <laughs> yeah but i guess what i was thinking is just like um like with the white rocks i'm gonna take the nomad the ones that um that you can squish down and i'm going to take some either gorilla glue or something and see seal that hole so that they're more like the pool seven. Um, and I'm assuming you can probably just do that with the ones you've shot as well. 
Yeah. Is yeah. You, I'd probably use like some type of waterproof waterproof two part epoxy. Yeah. Because I don't know if Gorilla Glue would hold up to that or not. Well, I used it on my waders one time, um, and it it does pretty well. It hardens, but I'm yeah, I'm sure there's probably Aqua Seal is probably the thing to use. Mm. Um, yeah. But some of the, some of those rubberized rubberized glues peel off pretty easy that when i use gorilla glue on my waders it actually worked pretty well yeah and kind of kind of talking about the white rock decoys um there's a lot of companies i think they've kind of switched to more of that softer plastic com- compared to the older decoys that were the hard plastic and i think that's mm-hmm. one for durability but i wonder kind of too um, they seem that they'd be more buoyant with that type of material, even if they got water in them. <laughs> Obviously, if they filled completely up, you know, they're going to sink. But Yeah, I, th- I think they probably are. The, the problem I was having is that um, the Nomads with the hole in the back, so air can travel in and out, and that way you can um, constrict them down to, to carry more. I would inevitably get some water in there that wouldn't come out, and then they would freeze, and you'd have ice in there. Hmm. And they will not they will not float properly with ice in there, I can tell you that. But I'm sure they are more buoyant. Gotcha. So next kind of topic we wanted to hit up is uh kind of your boating. So on that, uh what we got, kind of checking your engine, um, making sure everything is working right. I know Elliot, you've had your boat in and out of the shop the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um and during season that'll kill you. So I know when you flipped your boat, you you lost your boat pretty much for the whole season just due yeah. to engine work. So if you got anything to hit up there, you know that's a prime time to do it when you're not hunting, not using the boat. And the bearings on the trailer are a huge, huge deal because, um, man, they, they they get water in there, and if you you got to repack those and and just keep an eye on them all the time, or it can really bite you in the butt if you don't keep track of making sure your bearings are in good shape and packed and and just a good clean i mean man the uh the, our boat is muddy right now so i need to take it in just power wash it because we will use it for our fishing boat off season and stuff and it's just no fun when, when it's got mud in it and then it rains and now it's not caked mud it's muddy so just giving it a good clean as well yeah and that's, that's the big boat there's lots of things for the smaller boats too yeah, that's one thing we could have hit up on the decoys as well that I didn't think of. But, um, you know, it might be a good time to hose down all your decoys as well, um, especially some of those early season ones like till hunts. All my decoys got so muddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and areas like that, you get kind of muddy. So good time, get everything, you know, cleaned off, washed off before you, you get out there and uh, put them in storage. So kind yeah. of hitting up the, the boat again. Do you do anything for your, your canoes or kayaks for off season? Well, I need to, this year they came with my H 12 came with this handles that were, um, I'm not sure what kind of material it was some kind of, not a cloth, but canvas. I don't know, but we put so much strain on, they ripped off. So I need to put on metal handles on the front and the back of those. And then it just really needs the whole thing needs to be cleaned out. So the blind will come off. Um, the seat will go back in, it'll get all cleaned out on the inside. And then I need to decide what I'm going to do with the blind itself. Rebrushing the blind, um, will be another one of the off season, off season jobs. But normally now with our layout boats in the past, we always had to patch them with the fiberglass ones. We were so hard on them that every off season we were using fiber, fiberglass patch kits. 
um, and patching them. The H12s have not shown a single sign of, of leaking uh, at this point. So hopefully that won't be a big problem for the H12s, but it was always a problem for um, our traditional layout boats. Hmm. Yeah, I've never uh, had a leak on my canoe as well. So, but I could see after uh, over time something like that might happen. One thing I've kind of thought about doing, uh, kind of off-season project for the canoe would have been uh, do a camo spray paint job. But you know, honestly, I don't know if that's necessary. <laughs> I had an old, a huge cargo canoe. I tried to spray paint, and man, it just did not adhere to that um, fiberglass at all. I mean, mm. I tried really hard and took it out one time. It's like, oh, I didn't even look like I even did anything. <laughs> so I don't know whether I was using, whether you need a special kind of spray paint or what you could apply something to help it stick better, but it just didn't, it didn't last at all. Was your uh, canoe pretty dirty? You know, maybe the dirt was just kind of. <laughs> oh, I imagine it was. I mean, I was, I was fishing in that canoe when I was about seven. So <laughs> it's been around a while. I probably was pretty dirty. It would be just like me not to clean it at all. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we still have it it's a, it's a trooper in fact uh i took it fishing up to valentine la just last year so it's it's still in action awesome and uh, i guess the last thing i'd say about boats any kind of projects you want to do whether it's trying to build a blind on it or you know camo spray paint and all that kind of stuff prime time postseason actually that'd probably be something to put off till it's a little warmer i don't know about you but i'm i'm tired of being cold so <laughs> yeah Quite honestly, I'm not in the mood to, to do, I mean, like all this list that we're talking about, um, it will happen in my life, but it's not happening like right when the season ends, yeah. it's going to be a little bit until I get, cause I, until I start missing, once I start missing the waterfowl hunting, um, which maybe some people do the first day it's over, but it's like, I, I'm, I'm glad right now to be home uh, more with my family and to be relaxing and, and just taking it easy and getting more sleep. I, I'm perfectly fine to take a, a little time off. Um, but so when I start feeling that kind of depression, that's when, <laughs> that's when this stuff will start kicking in. Yeah. Cause then you're just fiddling with your toys basically, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well the indoor stuff for sure, I'll get done pretty quickly, but the outdoor stuff, I'm going to wait till, uh, you know, either the warm days in March or probably April, um, but I probably should get on them sooner. Cause you know, if you can push through it and struggle through the cold to duck hunt, you probably should to organize and get everything in order too, but it doesn't always yeah. turn out that way. No. And I can tell you by the time the first teal hunt, everything I have is perfectly organized. It's spick and span. <laughs> it looks great. So I look right now, my one room down in the basement is more like it's becoming more like my camping fishing odds and end gear and then out in the garage it's like everyday hunt stuff so my everyday hunt stuff is organized right now it's all that other miscellaneous crap that i have and all the extra clothes all the stuff for the boys oh my god i should take a picture of that room and show it to you it's, uh, uh, it's, i don't think you ever even went into that room when you were here i think we did uh the first time i was there oh, okay yeah looking so for it. something <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, it gets worse than that, but that's the stuff I won't start organizing for a while probably. Uh next topic kind of your hunting grounds, your areas you want to uh hunt in. Um so I guess the first thing I'd say is you know, scouting out areas that you didn't get a chance to. There's always areas I do a lot of like off-season kind of map scouting and 
you know, a lot of times it's good to do it right when season ends. Although their kind of late season patterns aren't always going to match up as far as the ducks and geese go with the early season, but it's better than, you know, scouting in July or something like that. So if you get a chance and you're not too busy hunting now, um, you know, swing by some of your spots you wanted to scout, whether you need to get in the boat or not, or do it from the road. Um, and kind of along the same lines as that, um, with your, your private spots that you're scouting opposed to the public ones, uh, you know, try to make connections with the landowners, um, and potentially, you know, get that permission now. Um, it doesn't, you know, as far as like fields go, you obviously can't really get permission or you don't need to, you don't, you don't know what's going to be planted in it next year. You don't know, um, where the birds are going to be. Usually that's something we kind of hit up as we go. Um, but you know, when you get those marshes kind of in the back 40, uh, of people's property or something like that, you want to hit up or ponds, farm ponds that, you know, that hold birds great time. I know from, for myself personally, I end up hunting the same spots a lot of times that I did all through the year or the same spots are to have permission. Um, and there's a lot of ones that I never got the time to just cause you know, it's, it's more simple just to go with what you already got. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'd say on the migration back North, it's fun just to get in the marshes and spend some time out there and see the birds. Um, even throw out a half dozen decoys and, and, uh, blow the call a little bit. Um, <laughs> it can be real. We've done that multiple times. That's really fun as well. Don't have any guns with you at all because then you're in, in, um, <laughs> You know, I'm not even sure. I, I need to check with the next time we have um, the game manager from Cheyenne Bottoms because I don't – I've never actually asked any manager if that's illegal to throw out a few decoys and try to decoy ducks um, and not, like, somehow considered harassment or something. I wouldn't think that it is. We've done it multiple times. I wouldn't times. think so either, no. I, I would think that's perfectly fine. But, yeah, it's probably best to double-check. Yeah, One thing really I've heard should. from uh, photographers is they call that the second season, you know, when you get uh, that uh, migration back north and – get out there and take some photos. I don't know um, how many listeners we have that are avid photographers, you know, us being content creators, probably a little bit more, but you know, it's always good to get some, some of those photos on some live ducks as well. Yeah. And it's just a day in the marsh decoying birds with no one else around. When you go out in the spring on the North migration, you have it all to yourself. And that really, it's fun. Nice. So throw a scout decoy in. <laughs> Yeah, put your uh, Terry the confidence till back out there. We didn't even talk much about Terry this year or Jerry. We only talked about him on one episode, actually. I don't know because <laughs> Terry got lost and then we had Jerry, but we didn't even talk about it. Uh, so uh, I guess next subject, um, dog work. Uh, make sure you inspect your dog for injuries. Um, anything you might have missed during season. Honestly, this is something you should be doing quite often. Um I don't know. Have you had? I know you had with Izzy. You had um, her pool. Your she tore her uh, hamstring ACL. ACL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, have you ever had kind of any other injuries that you found kind of postseason or even during the season with your dog? Well, just with her, she's had this uh, right front leg. It's either scar tissue from an injury, the vet said, or it's arthritis that she limps from. And I don't really know what to do with it. That's the only one that I have found. My dad has found my dad's dogs are always injury prone for some reason um, where they either get like seeds in their eyes or stuff in their ears or run into a porcupine or, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's but not, it, doesn't sound it, fun. Yeah, no, no. 
But Izzy has been extremely injury free um, her whole life, minus mm-hmm. a couple. You know, the the ACL being the big one and and the arthritis. But yeah, the only things I've had on Chief is he's tore his pad a couple times, and then um, he's opened up his nose from doing retrieves on the ground at home just because he doesn't slow down right when he picks up the bumper. Um, so, yeah, I'd just say kind of along those lines, expect your, inspect your dog for kind of the general wear and tear of the season. Make sure they don't have anything you need to see your vet for, um, that kind of stuff. And then uh, on the, along the same lines, you know, once it gets to the end of the season, I know I fall kind of um, susceptible to this at times, but – uh, don't forget, you know, to keep your dog's activity level up, especially when they're used to it going out kind of day after day or, you know, week after week hunting, um, that you don't just fall off completely with nothing for them to do. Um, and then, you know, it's a great time to get those drills and start, you know, doing your dog work right away, um, and, and work on your stuff to improvement. Yeah. Make a list of things that were failures or areas of need for your dog as far as out in the field during the season and work on those and then maybe try to add something add something new to improve you know the level of your dog's retrieving as well yeah and the one thing Which i'll say point, for the one thing i'll say for chief is he's always had trouble with ice and the only time that i can work on that um is right now when it's cold so postseason is going to come out and i'm going to have to get out there at least you know somewhat with the ice, even though I don't want to, I'm tired of being cold, but we can't work on the ice any other time. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I, we should ask, um, one of the next dog guys we have on, I think we've got one. We just have one anyway, next time about that, because those types of things I've always assumed it's like, how do you get a dog who doesn't like ice to just be more willing to plunge in, you know? Um, yeah. especially when your time to, to practice it, like you said, it's so limited mm-hmm. that I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah. And then I'm, kinda... I'm done working at the, um, as far as I don't really train her much anymore. Her being, she's turning 12 this August. At this point, she kind of is what she is. Yeah. And she's kind of going into semi-retirement as well. <laughs> yeah, she is. So I, I really need to start for me. It's going to be, I need to get serious about getting a timeline for when I want to get the new dog and start studying up. I think I'm going to go ahead and use water dog again that I used with, with Izzy, even though I had someone called it outdated recently, which it, I don't know. I mean, if something works for a dog, I don't know. I could be outdated. <laughs> yeah. But, their DNA hasn't changed. So yeah. Yeah. But really kind of, I want to step up my training abilities. So if I'm going to get a dog probably early December next year, or around December, I'm thinking I want to just go to the next level with my knowledge on, on training. So that's now is a good time to start that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree on that. So hopefully we see, uh, see that sometime soon. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I kind of the bonus tip for, um, people who either are in a relationship or married, you know, uh, season ends right now. Start working on those brownie points because season's going to be back in before you know it, and <laughs> you're going to be wanting to hunt, and hunt, hunt weekends, make trips. So anything you can do to build up those brownie points, you know, start early, <laughs> get get those yeah. built up. Yeah, I call the off season. My wife's name is Beth. I call the off season the season of Beth. <laughs> so I'm a teacher, so I stay home during the uh, off season. So I'm always encouraging. It's like. 
you know, I, I'm not working. I'm here. Go out with your friends. Go do whatever you want to do. Go, go, go. I'll do whatever, you know, because it's important. You know, I mean, she's here, me working during the week. I, I hunt mostly Saturdays. She's here every Saturday taking care of the house duty. The kids are here. So just even if she doesn't do it and go out a lot, just her hearing me encouraging her to do it and reminding her, like, do what to do. You know, she's like, oh, so-and-so called. I'm like, go, go, go. You know, um, it, it, it helps your, your wife just to feel that attitude, whether they take you up on it or not. In fact, I've got, I've got a um, season one or two. I made a whole video about um, tips to keep your wife happy. That's kind of, <laughs> it's not very good quality. It's kind of dated. My mom and I were, did it together. It's a pretty good. Video. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I'm, I think I remember that one. I don't remember the tips, but I remember the video. You remember the game show? I did too. I did that one. Then I did a game show. I remember the one where you did it with, uh, corn and Dan and yeah. who else was it? My, oh, and, Fumble. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fumbles. and Dan's wife just ate him alive. Yeah. he got like what a, a two or something. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole game show, which we had different categories and it was like the wife was rated each of us on how we did in these categories and man, Dan's wife took him apart. It got awkward in here. <laughs> it's going to say that was like, <laughs> it'd be a rough one. That's a scary one. <laughs> I think your wife would give you good ratings after meeting her. I think you keep her pretty. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely, uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, say that she's supportive of all the stuff we got going on. You, you have yeah. to be married to somebody special for uh, all the stuff we, you know, put them through with <laughs> all, yeah. all, all the craziness of duck season and content creation and all the time that goes into it. So Absolutely. definitely thankful with- for that. Because with our wives, it doesn't end. It doesn't end when you get home. You got all the editing to do, and you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, very special women. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that about covers the list. I'm sure we probably forgot some. If we did, you know, make sure to let us know, and uh, we'll add it to our list of things we got to do this off season. So, <laughs> anyways, I think that's all we got. Anything you want to add, Elliot? Nope. That's it. Alrighty. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in week after week um, for the podcast. Off season's coming in here, but we're not going anywhere. So we'll, we'll still be doing the podcast every week. So whether you're watching us live on YouTube or, um, you know, communicating with us in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun and our Facebook page or watching our content in YouTube, we're still going to be out there. So um, we'll be seeing you guys around. But. Uh, that's all we got for this week. I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>